Palpatine represents the devil. He represents the pure evil, the Dark Lord of the Sith, who uh, is purely out to get more power. Everybody believes it's Darth Vader, uh, who's the really ultimate bad guy, but the guy who's truly evil is Palpatine. He has manipulated this whole saga. Ian does such an amazing job of uh, playing the puppet master. You know, he pulls each string with such charming yet evil precision. I think one of the factors that the character plays is temptation, and Anakin is tempted and indeed seduced by what Palpatine has to say and has to offer. Break it down! Episode number 168 of Last Points is Jason. And it's Gabe. It's Palpatine. <laughs> Nobody knew it was coming, but it came anyway, and now we're here, and it's Palpatine. <laughs> it's like your alarm going off in the morning, and you're so tired, you don't even know what's happening. Somebody's screaming in your face, it's Palpatine. Please, please Palpatine, don't hurt him. Palpatine. Oh, Palpatine. We, we thought we were done. He was he was too legit to quit, so <laughs> he had to come back in some shape or form. You got to thank the Rise of Skywalker for bringing Palpatine back to us because it's given everyone something new to talk about. <laughs> yeah, what was Last Jedi? When did that happen? <laughs> that's old. Finally, that's old news. We've moved on, yeah. and now we're back to crazy theories about Palpatine. Everybody, he's a ghost. No, he's going to be a clone. A, ske- a skeleton, a hologram, a robot with a TV for a face, like the comics of the games. Is he going to be a face in the sky? A talking cloud. Is Kylo going to find a, uh, a conch shell on the shoreline and put his ear up to it and hear Palpatine's voice? <laughs> <laughs> That's the Death Star did fall in the ocean, so maybe there's an evil an evil shell on the beach. They're all drawn to. <laughs> JJ was in the meeting. Well, you see, it's about it's about the evil shell. Well, we need some concepts for that. 
Everybody's taking notes. Evil shell circling it. Somebody called Doug Chang. It's a crazy thing. I think we've said it before. I think we said it in our live from Celebration episode. I don't. I honestly don't remember anything we said in those. But if somebody would have told us two months ago, or even a month ago, right now, hey guys, I think Palpatine's going to be back in Episode Nine. Be like crazy. Go go watch your fan film. Be quiet. What are you talking about? This is new Star Wars. This is a classy event. Ain't going to be no Palpatine. <laughs> But then, you know, we're there in Chicago at McCormick Place. The teaser trailer plays. We hear that laughing. All of a sudden, everything makes sense. If you're making a sequel trilogy, it's a continuation of Return of the Jedi. And if and the end of that, they're no longer... Because I think early on we thought maybe they would go do 10, 11, 12 or right. It might keep going. But if they're saying they're going to end it at 9... And it's this self-contained thing. It's almost like who else is the ultimate evil that you can even do? Like, even if Snoke had some crazy backstory, it seems like that wouldn't make as much sense as just bringing back the original, the Phantom Menace. He's been there the whole time. That's what he does. Palpatine is the master of the long game, playing the long game. And supposedly... Lucasfilm Star Wars is too, because they've been playing the lawn game with this Palpatine thing. Palpatine has been the Phantom Menace in the movies, and we didn't even know he was the Phantom Menace. Palpatine's been playing us. We are part of the story now. It's all coming to life. So what we're going to do coming up here, we're going to go through the whole timeline of Palpatine. We've got no answers here. We've only got questions. And the only thing we know for sure is we've been, we've been played this whole time by Palpatine. Just like Anakin, just like everybody, Palpatine's always been around and he's been messing with us the whole time. That first reaction, when we saw that teaser trailer over on the Star Wars show stage, the whole, you know, we were screaming at Ray doing the, the, the backflip with a lightsaber. But when they, when Palpatine did laugh and we absolutely lost our minds, can you, can you take yourself back to like, what were you, what were your, your first thoughts with hearing Palpatine laughing at that moment? I think it was like a combination of absolute shock and absolute, well, that makes perfect sense. Two, two completely different emotions at the same time that, yeah, I can't believe that what I'm hearing, but oh, who else is it going to be? It's like all the pieces fell into place in my mind. I don't know. What did you think? Right? Total shock. But I, I think like what we're about to do in this episode ran through my head in about three seconds. Yeah. And everything, the, everything in the books added up. <laughs> all the numbers checked. And it was like, oh my God, yes. That's why we never got a Snoke backstory. Because we couldn't. Because he was working for Palpatine. Because yeah, it doesn't matter. Even more than it didn't matter before. It's all about Palpatine. He's the Phantom Menace. He never went away. You can't kill the boogeyman. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. Like, where... Did Palpatine begin? You know, how early was George Lucas thinking about Palpatine? You know, he's mentioned briefly in A New Hope. Isn't he in the prologue of the novelization? Isn't that the first 
other than the emperor being mentioned in a new hope, isn't there a few lines about the, a politician who comes to power in the prologue for the novelization? Yeah. The, so the prologue reads, aided and abetted by restless, power-hungry individuals within the government and the massive organs of commerce, the ambitious Senator Palpatine caused himself to be elected President of the Republic. He promised to reunite the disaffected among the people and to restore the remembered glory of the Republic. Once secure in office, he declared himself emperor, shutting himself away from the populace. Soon he was controlled by the very assistants and bootlickers he had appointed to high office, and the cries of the people for justice did not reach his ears. It goes on for a while, and then they're talking about the Jedi Knights, the Guardians of Justice, and the Galaxy. This is 1977 novel adaptation of Star Wars. It says written by George Lucas, but we all know it was written by Alan Dean Foster. But yeah, the concept of Palpatine was has kind of always been there as he was the Phantom Menace in A New Hope before he was the Phantom Menace in The Phantom Menace. Always been around, always pulling the strings. When they were starting to develop Return of the Jedi, Lucas was going back to his old ideas about just who this emperor person is. And even Kasdan was saying, my sense of the relationship is that the emperor is much more powerful than Vader, and Vader is very much intimidated by him. Vader has dignity, but the emperor in Jedi really has all the power. George Lucas expands on that, saying, I didn't want Vader to be all-powerful. In the first film, it was easy to make him into some sort of superhero, but I decided not to do that. In fact, he is one of the Dark Lords who is working for the Emperor. Interesting. And he has to do the Emperor's bidding. You will see in some point in the future that the Jedi have the same relationship to their public. They're like public servants. They're like marshals or policemen. They basically do what they're told to do. They're not independent agents who can do whatever they want. In the case of the Jedi, they work for the Republic, and in the case of the Sith Lords, plural, they work for the Empire. So I obviously didn't want to make Vader too weak, but I didn't want him, so you thought he was in charge of everything. That's why I had Tarkin in the first film, although he was more of a bureaucrat. Lucas said many times that the Emperor was very much like the devil. You know, he was the master of lies and manipulation. I think he even compared him to Nixon sometimes, you know. He's more of that constant presence of evil that you cannot get rid of. Yeah, he's like Dorito breath. <laughs> you can brush your teeth, but the next day you can still kind of taste some Doritos in your mouth and people can smell it. Why do I still smell like Doritos? That's the dark side. That's Palpatine. <laughs> to, to the point where you just have to go wash your face. <laughs> yeah. It's still on here somewhere. Yeah, get soap and just scrub your cheeks. Or switch to Cool Ranch, so at least then you have Cool Ranch breath. Just to mix it up. But it's interesting. All the way back in 77 or in development for Return of the Jedi, he's got this bigger picture of the greater evil out there. The one controlling everything. And that Vader isn't the real bad guy. And we're introduced to Vader. We think he's the big bad person. But oh, no, no, no. There's someone much more bad out there. The thing with that I've been thinking is could be cool when, when again, we don't know what shape or form Palpatine takes, but the idea of Kylo finishing Last Jedi as the supreme leader and potentially now finding out that he's not the supreme leader, that there's someone else waiting in the wings and he's kind of back 
subservient to someone again. It's going to be interesting too, and we'll, I th- we'll get into this more later. But Kylo, I don't think we'll take the idea that he's been played with this whole time very well. No, I don't think so either. That someone's been using him first for a greater reason, using all of his anguish and his pain, and someone's just been playing him. Yeah, and his his greatest triumph of breaking free from Snoke and becoming, in his mind, his own person. But he's just, it's just another trick. But it's, that's the thing. Palpatine is the master of manipulation. Everybody, constantly, his whole life, lies, manipulation. Welcome, young Skywalker. I have been expecting you. I'm looking forward to completing your training. In time, you will call me Master. You're gravely mistaken. You won't convert me as you did my father. Oh no, my young Jedi. You will find that it is you who are mistaken about a great many things. Even before some of that Jedi stuff, when they were going through story conferences for The Empire Strikes Back on December 2nd, 1977, uh, they, were, they were playing around with the idea of putting Darth Vader in like a new environment. And they were, this is around the time when they were going to have Vader um, in a castle uh, that was on a rock on an island. Very interesting. Instead of an ocean, it was going to be in the middle of an of a lava ocean. So very very Mustafar, although I, I don't think they had the name Mustafar then. But interesting how this was flipped later for Luke. Then this is when Vader was going to have all his gremlins and goblin pets that were going to be hanging out in his castle with him. Well, which Kylo may have a gorilla that fixes his helmet. So that's what I was thinking of as soon as I saw the. Whatever his little goblin fixing the helmet that, you know, maybe he's got, they're going back to some of the Lee Brackett stuff. Yeah, it could be kind of fan service but who knows? I mean, there's been a lot of stuff with Vader's castle on Mustafar. They're not letting us forget that. And what if Kylo called that as his kind of pad and wanted to hang out there? And he's got little gremlin goblin monkey creatures that are repairing the helmet. He, he goes on a Musta, Musta Safari. <laughs> Very hot here. <laughs> he has little sh- little black shorts on, <laughs> flip flops, sunglasses. <laughs> he fixes he, he, the real reason he fixes his helmet. It's his his musafari helmet. There was a scene very early on in this uh, December second seventy seven uh, story conference they were talking about where Vader was going to go into a, a gray steel room, and at the end of this room is a steel box and. Inside this steel box is the way he talks to the emperor. And the emperor was going to come up on a view screen and was basically going to go tell him that he has to go get Luke Skywalker. And, you know, there was some stuff a while back with episode nine. Wasn't it something that they showed at that Disney stockholders thing that was Kylo in a white room with a box? Oh, you're right. I forgot about that. There was a thing when Force Awakens came out that I, I never it never sat well with me with when Kylo was talking to the Vader helmet. Show me again the power of the darkness. And I will let nothing stand in our way. Show me. 
grandfather. And I will finish what you started. It makes it sound like he at one time had heard something from this mystical object. That was something they introduced in the the Lando comic. And it was in the, the weird Vader comic, too, that these Sith objects could hold spirits of Sith lords. Yeah, and at least kind of corrupt people or they were kind of cursed. They weren't, they weren't necessarily, you know, thinking and talking and having conversations as much as, yeah, kind of like being a cursed thing that just gets into your head. So I always wondered, like, well, this helmet, it's not Anakin talking to it. And I was like, well, is there a separation between the Vader and Anakin? And I was like, well, that doesn't even make any sense because Vader is gone. Anakin destroyed Vader. Kind of, he was redeemed. He's, Anakin is now part of the cosmic force and everything. So I was always wondering, like, well, what, what did Kylo hear? Did he even hear anything? Is he just imagining it? But now you can think, well, maybe it was Palpatine he was hearing through the mask. Because you got to think that Palpatine was the one that gave Anakin that armor, put him in that armor, the Vader suit. If any dark spirit was going to be around Vader's helmet, I would imagine it would be more Palpatine. And didn't probably Vader's helmet, it was burned on Endor. Is that where the Death Star is? I don't know. We don't, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. but I, I know staying with getting ahead of ourselves, something just popped in my head, too, that we kind of, I think we talked about this way back, too, if, back after Force Awakens, like if Kylo has that helmet, did he go to Endor to get it? Are we now in Rise of Skywalker going to see, we have see the Death Star 2, it's either on the moon of Endor or it's on Endor proper or another Endor moon. It's somewhere near Endor, so that makes sense. Maybe Kylo's been there before and that's where he got the helmet. I didn't realize this too, and uh, Steve, who was with us at Celebration, who I work with, our friend Steve, we were going crazy today. And on our lunch break, we were looking at a map of the galaxy. And I did not realize that Endor is just about as close as you can get to the unknown regions on the map, on like the Star Wars planetary map. And I think we sat there for about 10 minutes just looking at the map saying, that's very interesting. <laughs> Endor is right on the edge of the unknown regions. So then I was like, well, why in Return of the Jedi have all the places to build the Death Star too? Why that close to the unknown regions? Well, in that time, also Palpatine was shipping all of his stuff to his storage locker out there in the unknown regions for the eventual creation of the First Order. Again, no answers, lots of questions. What is thy bidding, my master? There is a great disturbance in the Force. I have felt it. We have a new enemy. Luke Skywalker. <laughs> February 1979. Emperor footage is being filmed for The Empire Strikes Back. Interesting bit of trivia. Elaine Baker, Rick Baker's wife, uh, wore the, the fantastic mask. Rick Baker, fantastic uh, mask maker, makeup guy. He created that uh, early, now 
lost to the special editions version of the the emperor with i always said he looked like a, he had a paper mache face on <laughs> they used a, a split beam technique to, to superimpose chimpanzee eyes onto this early version of the emperor as in rinsler's fantastic uh, making of empire strikes back book there's photo documentation of the actual chimpanzee that they filmed and he's wearing a yellow shirt and overalls while filming his scene for the emperor <laughs> as chimpanzees often do those those hollywood chimpanzees <laughs> what oh i i don't think that chimpanzee is still with us but man if that chimpanzee was at a celebration i'd be like i don't do autographs but you you tell me how much yeah I just hug him. And they, it looks like they also tried to use a cat because there's pictures of them f- filming a cat. So where's where's that test footage? Hey, maybe when if if we see some form of Palpatine in Rise of Skywalker, maybe he'll have cat real cat eyes. They you know they went to a, a real pet store and got a real cat. Bring back some chimpanzee eyes. Maybe maybe when we get a full trailer for Rise of Skywalker, there'll just be a like sublim like Exorcist style, like a subliminal flash of chimpanzee eyes. Just, ah, it's mess with people. You gotta watch it in slow mo to see the chimpanzee eyes. They were there, I swear. Uh, so moving on to Return of the Jedi. Originally, Palpatine was gonna be hanging out on a on a lava planet. The whole point at the end of Return of the Jedi, of course, you know, Luke redeems the father. They wanted people to walk out of the theater feeling good about life. Okay, that's all well and good. Vader threw the Emperor down like a a big hole in the Death Star, and then the Death Star blew up. He's got to be dead, right? So, you know, we've got this story of fathers and sons that Palpatine and Anakin, where Anakin says in, I think it's, isn't it in Revenge of the Sith? He's like a father to me. Luke and Vader, Kylo and Han, Kylo and Anakin, kind of like this, presence of a, a grandfather and now we get going into the rise of skywalker we've got this presence of the evil stepfather kind of in the, in the skywalker saga it's the the evil great grandpa <laughs> just keeps coming over and eating all your food so now you know jumping forward again going into the rise of skywalker if you follow that train of thought it would make perfect sense for if we're going to get some kind of anakin ghost if Hayden Christensen is going to come back in some way, that's all well and good, and that would be great, and people would yell and scream and clap. And it would make sense for the story, especially with the name of the movie and the Skywalker family and all that stuff. But really, should he? As much as we would like it and as much as fans would like it, if Anakin was to show up, how could you do it and not have it undercut Ray's story? Because it is Ray's story well and it's ray it's it's ray and kylo's story it is and and in and in either case right you don't want to it's their it's their fight now right is what luke says anakin shows up and while that would make again yeah it would make sense for the nine episode saga because the story began with anakin and it began with palpatine it's not their trilogy anymore but there is still the the idea that a lot of kylo's Dark sideness is because he doesn't know what happened to Anakin. If Anakin just showed up to tell Kylo what really happened, and then it's back to being about Kylo and Rey, is maybe it would be enough. He doesn't have to show up and, and kill the ghost of the Emperor or something or save the day, but just the fact of Kylo realizing what really happened to Vader. Who else would tell Kylo what really happened? I guess Luke. Luke could do it. 
Because I he's right. That's got to happen in nine that he finds out the truth. I don't think Kylo is still thinks of Luke very highly going into the rise of Skywalker. But were Kylo's grandfather that he already idolizes, but seemingly yeah knows nothing about? Because that was a question even when Force Awakens came out. Where does Kylo Ren not know who did Luke never tell him the story of Return of the Jedi? Well, even more so, did did 3PO never tell him? Because obviously 3PO got really good at telling the story of the original trilogy by Return of the Jedi. And as far as we know, 3PO helped raise Kylo because he's Leia's droid at that point. The only person that saw what went on in that throne room, though, was Luke. Luke's the only one who could tell the story. But he, t- and he, told, but he told Leia. He had, to tell, he, had, he had to tell his sister he was right. Luke goes back to Endor. Leia, I was right. You were wrong. <laughs> what? But, okay, so if Hayden Christensen shows up and is talking to, to Kylo Ren, here's what happened in Return of the Jedi. Here's the deal, dude. Let me sit you down. Let me tell you a story. Story of Return of the Jedi. That could be a major moment, and that would not take away from the Ray Ben Solo story. It would only make it more awesome. I want to know what happens in this movie so bad. <laughs> because... There's so many ways it could go down. How did my father die? A young Jedi named Darth Vader, who was a pupil of mine until he turned to evil, helped the Empire hunt down and destroy the Jedi Knights. He betrayed and murdered your father. Now the Jedi are all but extinct. Vader was seduced by the dark side of the Force. Phantom Menace, next. The rise of power to Palpatine, the beginning of the long game. Palpatine is the Phantom Menace. Okay, so now if, 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 a big if with a capital I, if Palpatine did manipulate the midichlorians to create life, which the comics hinted at, but I don't know if you can trust anything that happens in those Star Wars comics these days. <laughs> so, then in, if, if, if you're going to go by that theory, which I still don't know if I do, but if you're going to go by that theory, then Palpatine is also kind of responsible for the life of Ben Solo. If you connect the dots, it takes you back to Ben Solo from whatever Palpatine did with manipulating the midichlorians. But remember, we started this with Palpatine is the master of lies and always lies. So even though it's in the comics where anything could happen, he rarely would just tell you what really happened. He, when he, the opera scene in Sith, when he tells Anakin this, and, and Anakin's like not even paying attention. He's like watching the opera during that part. <laughs> He's like, to create life. Yeah, and he's like, wait, did you say something? <laughs> there's there's Mon Calamari swimming in a bubble. I was really distracted. I grew up on a sand planet. I've never seen a giant bubble of water with, with lobster people dancing in it. It's like, I'm not paying attention to anything you're saying. This this theater thing is crazy. Wald would never believe this. But Palpatine, if you if if this is all true, and if he wasn't lying, then he created this chosen one. That didn't work out. Chosen One has a son. Okay, well, that'll be my apprentice. That doesn't work out. Okay, well, the grandson, Ben Solo, 
seems like it's going to work out. The one repeating thing in all these things that Palpatine can never count on, love. Anakin to Padme, Anakin with his children, Luke's love, belief in his father, going into the rise of Skywalker. If he's betting everything he has on Ben Solo, and if Ben Solo has a connection with Rey, if Palpatine is like, okay, Ben Solo, go kill Rey. And let's say maybe Anakin does show up and is like, here's the deal with Palpatine. Here's my deal. I don't think even without all that stuff, I don't think Ben could kill Rey. Ben Solo has had a lot of chances to kill Rey if he really wanted to. Going all the way back to Force Awakens in the forest, and not the end of the movie Forest, when he first saw her in the forest, I don't think he can do it. Because I think they're weird. I think they know they're weirdly connected via the Force somehow. They're the yin and yang of each other. They're, it, it's like what Ryan Johnson said, right? That they're two sides of the same character. When I found you, I saw raw, untamed power. And beyond that, something truly special. Moving on to Attack of the Clones. He's uh, bringing in Anakin, getting really close and chummy with Anakin. Palpatine eventually uh, creates the clone army. Cloning. This is a theory. And I know in the EU, again, in some dumb Star Wars comics, we add cloned Palpatine. In the Dark Empire, why was Palpatine so interested in creating a clone army? That's one of those things that you would think they wouldn't go there. At a certain point, it's like everything's on the table at this point until we see otherwise. I mean, it was an easy way to do Order 66, I guess, because it's it's fast and cheap, I guess. And he can manipulate them easier. What do the Kaminos say? How they're different than droids? They can think creatively. But if you need to make a chip that can brainwash somebody, you only have to make it once and then it'll work on everybody because <laughs> they all have the same brain. But still, the whole idea like, hey, you know what we're going to do? A clone army when there aren't a lot of other clones before that in Star Wars. I've always thought that was weird in Dexter's Diner how Obi-Wan's just like, cloners? Are they friendly? It's like, what? There's other cloners? <laughs> yeah, because, well, in the films, there's no other cloned character. Is there other than... The clone soldiers. It's not something that's around a lot. It's interesting. It's an idea. It's a crazy idea. So moving on to the Clone Wars. Um, You got Dooku, which is kind of more so than Darth Maul, kind of putting out the idea that Palpatine is all about just hiring someone to be the face of a war while he pulls the strings from behind. There was the episodes where he paid uh, Cad Bane to steal a holocron from the Jedi Temple to allow him to find Force-sensitive babies across the galaxy. And he was going to take them to his facility on Mustafar. Uh, Palpatine wanted to clone the Zillow Beast. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. That question's still out there. Maybe this the, the whole Palpatine thing is just a, a red herring to throw us off the scent of the real ultimate evil is the clone Zillow Beast is going to be what shows up in the end of Episode 9. Maybe Filoni will bring it into the Mandalorian. Don't get me thinking about that now. Totally derailed this. At the end of Clone Wars, what was it? The big awesome fight on Mandalore with uh, 
Obi-Wan and the jetpack and all that stuff. He fought Maul and Savage, and he was shooting Maul with force lightning, but didn't kill him because he said he had other uses for him. Master, I am most impressed to see you have survived your injuries. I used your training, Master, and I have built all this in hopes of returning to your side. Hmm. How unfortunate that you are attempting to deceive me. Master? You have become a rival! Do not worry. I'm not going to kill you. I have other uses for you. <laughs> we never learned what that was all about. Like, we never learned why he wanted babies and taking them to Mustafar. He had an amusement park, yeah. He's like, no one else is using this amusement park. He's bringing all the babies. He just, he just likes babies. <laughs> They're so cute. <laughs> they make me smile. <laughs> Episode three, got the big reveal of Darsidious as Palpatine is the same person, in case you weren't sure. We get the, the story, like we mentioned before, of Darth Plagueis the, the Wise. Was it a lie? Was it truth? Was it a mixture of lies and truth? But but here's the, here's the big question with all that, though. Plagueis knew the secret of eternal life. Palpatine tells Anakin that Plagueis taught him everything he knew, and then he killed him in his sleep. So, But then later, when Palpatine has the crazy voice going on after he dubs him Darth Vader, he says the ability to cheat death is, one, is something that only one has achieved, right? And together, we'll work on it and we'll figure it out, you and me, Anakin. So he's kind of like saying, actually, I don't know the secret to eternal life. But if you and I work together, we can figure it out. One of those two things is probably the truth. Either you do, either you know the secret to eternal life or you don't. Well, I always kind of think, the interesting thing is with their relationship is more so than I would think if Palpatine actually created Anakin, he would have been easier to control. And it is almost like what Snoke says, if Palpatine is the ultimate evil in the force that the Skywalker Anakin was created to balance it out. And Palpatine knows that really the only thing that can destroy him is his equal in the light, which is why and in, I guess in his arrogance, he would rather control that person and have them be subservient to him than to just kill them outright. And that's kind of why he always wants Anakin and then he wants Luke. It's like he wants to control that other power as opposed to just killing it. Or maybe that they need each other. Maybe that's the secret to eternal life is you need the, you need the balance between the light and dark. Well, and maybe that's something beyond... A Sith's understanding. But, you you know, you say that and say the balance between the light and the dark. And it means me. I just think of Ray and Kylo at that point. Because that's the thing. Palpatine, he's always Vader, Luke. But if Ray and Kylo come to Palpatine together and he has the light and the dark against him, he's never experienced anything like that before. If Ray and Kylo almost are the balance of the force... That could be some heavy stuff. Skywalker lives. The seed of the Jedi Order lives. As long as it does, hope lives in the galaxy. 
I thought you would be the one to snuff it out. Alas, you're no Vader. You're just a child. In a mask. So, Rebels, there's a Jedi Temple on Lothal. Palpatine's obsessed with unlocking its secret. We got the world between worlds. You go in there and you can alter history, right? It's still a buckwild concept. Came out of nowhere. We find out that Ezra saved Ahsoka, pulled her out of the fight with Vader way back in that early episode. Palpatine is using like Sith magic with like a cauldron or something crazy again to open up a a portal. And he believes Ezra and Ahsoka are the key to entering. Eventually, he's got a portion of the temple on Lothal on his his Star Destroyer thing, right? And he gets Ezra on there, and he tries to tempt, Ez, tempt Ezra into entering to say he could be with his parents. Ezra refuses. Temple's destroyed. Ezra, I made your favorite. The gateway will not be open forever. Go now, before it's too late. No, this is a lie. They died. I, I felt it. Ezra, where is that boy? You know it is possible to change fate. There are infinite paths and infinite possibilities, but you must open the door. So few have a choice to live the life they want. Like, I remember watching all this and be like, oh, this is... I think it was everybody's opinion of the world between war, worlds and all this temple, Jedi temples with portals to other times and stuff. It was all like, well, this is interesting. I'm not quite sure what's going on, but this is interesting. You know, people are just like, oh, is time travel a thing now in Star Wars and all that stuff? And But all this was going on, all this rebel stuff was probably happening when Nine was probably even in development. And they knew full well that Palpatine was going to come back eventually, whether it was... Colin Trevorrow's version, whatever happened with that, or I can't remember if JJ was back even on board during that time. Well, JJ was always executive producer, whatever, however much involvement he really had, we don't know. But I mean, he was always somewhat involved with, at least I would assume, knowing what's going on, whether he's had input on what was going on, he probably knew what was going on. Or if they were going off whatever old George Lucas ideas they had, seems like it was always the plan to bring Palpatine back at some point. That Filoni, he's a slippery guy. You got to think that maybe they were hinting at something going on. Is, is Palpatine, does he somehow want to change the past? Does he somehow want to mess around with Something in the past, like let's say Ezra did go through and he was just like, oh yeah, my parents, let's go. What would Palpatine have gained from that? What does Palpatine want to change in the past by the time of Rebels, where we haven't even gotten to the original trilogy yet? That's something I've always wondered. I think the important thing with this, though, is it introduced the idea of Palpatine wanting more. And what that more is, I don't know, maybe we'll find out in December but maybe wanting more than he can do in the physical world. Well, and that's where I wonder what they'll do because like the official explanation of how force ghost works and how the Sith can never be force ghosts 
got cut out of the movie. And I mean, I guess Qui-Gon goes into that a little bit in Clone Wars, right? When he, the ghost of Qui-Gon's talking, but do they still completely, at least in, in the movies or Clone Wars say that there isn't a way for a, a dark side presence to kind of live on after death. I mean, we do have the, the like what the Darth Bane spirit thing. That's more of ghost. That's not conscious, right? It just does its thing over and over again. It kind of scares you where, you know, Yoda's given words of wisdom and hitting Luke in the face with a stick. We've been introduced in the new canon to Sith spirits haunting objects. It's like they can't appear as ghosts, but they can haunt things, possess things. It's, it's in the art of Last Jedi on page 28. There's an illustration by Christian Alsman of Luke sitting sad in like his little hut, and there's a real spooky ghost in the doorway behind him. And Alsman's quote is, we've seen dead Jedi come back to come back as blue ghosts. Maybe Sith can come back. And maybe there's some all-powerful mastermind Sith that's controlling whatever the dark side is. We did talk a lot about the final battle frontier for Jedi might be in the spirit realm. Hmm. So you have to have a bad guy ghost. So this was a concept that they were playing around with at some very early stage for The Last Jedi. I remember seeing that picture and reading that quote and being like, woo, that's awfully wild. Well, and that even kind of ties back to the Force Awakens thing with the, the crazy Anakin spirit that went morphed back and forth between Anakin and Vader, right? Because even Force Awakens kind of had rough ideas of kind of a, a, a dark side spirit type thing. You will learn to preserve your life force, and so manifest a consciousness which will allow you to commune with the living after death. Ow. Dark times are ahead, and forces of light must remain. This is the path of only a few Jedi. We, we go into the original trilogy, we go into A New Hope, like we said, they mention him, Empire. We get our first look at uh, the Emperor, Son of Skywalker must not become a Jedi, of course, Return the Jedi. And then post-Return the Jedi, we have <clears throat> the Aftermath books, where we learn a lot of stuff about the Emperor's contingency plan put into effect, and like we said, going out into the storage units and the unknown regions, The starting the how that led to the First Order. There's uh, Imperial people out there that don't think the Emperor's dead. The contingency plans done by Gallius Rax, that dude, remember him? Palpatine found Gallius Rax on Jakku, and there's like Sith artifacts being held in a, an observatory on Jakku, and there was all those acolytes of the beyond, those spooky people that were going around collecting Sith artifacts in order to resurrect the Sith Lord. There was a lot of crazy Emperor stuff going on in those weird, weird books, and even in the the battle was in a Battlefront two, and the comics there were the Emperor robots. That were going around giving his commands. Yeah, they're what, like red droids with the TV face of Palpatine to give orders to the remaining Imperials. Which, if we just, if that's all we get in the movie, that's still pretty crazy. <laughs> so, well, in the third Aftermath book, Life Debt, 
Was that the third one or the second one? I can't remember. Yeah, Life Debt was the second one. A pregnant Leia sensed a, a dark presence haunting her unborn child. That's the overarching theme. I, I feel like all through this new stuff, we've been getting these little hints that maybe, maybe, maybe it was Palpatine. But I feel like we were given Snoke so early on. I feel, And I feel like everyone was like, what's the deal with Snoke? Even we were. What's up with Snoke? It was kind of genius because we were just putting everything on Snoke. <laughs> well, and in, yeah, and in the end, as far as we know, Snoke just had a giant Ouija board and was su- summoning the dark side and, and basically awakened the evil spirit of Palpatine who kind of took over the show. Snoke really was like a Count Dooku, when it, you know, and it makes total sense when you think of it now. The Snoke was the, you know, just like Dooku was for the Clone Wars, Snoke was the face of the First Order, the face of this war. And we never stopped to think that maybe Snoke was getting orders from somebody else. But now you go back and you think about all of it. And it makes total sense. Because why did Snoke want to kill Luke Skywalker? Like, that was something that never made sense. Like, Snoke, what's your beef with Luke? What did he do to you? Because <laughs> and now even after Last Jedi, there doesn't seem to be any... There was no history between Snoke and Luke other than him messing with Kylo. And Snoke is like really wants to kill Luke Skywalker. He's going to blow up the whole island planet just to kill Luke Skywalker. He's going at it like Tarkin style. He's going to blow up the whole tower just to kill Krennic. And you go through Force Awakens. There was when Snoke showed up the first time, the music playing when we first saw Snoke was very Emperor-like. And that drove everybody crazy. Like, oh my God, is Snoke actually really the Emperor? And then a really big deal was the fact that we heard Palpatine's voice in Rey's vision when she touched the freaking lightsaber. Some little bit of him has kind of been right in front of us this whole time. Well, and they Luke name drops him in Last Jedi. We hear his voice in Force Awakens. So yeah, there's he's been there the whole time in the movies in some form. In Snoke's boudoir, when he says to Ray, like, give me everything, that is a hundred percent straight up Palpatine's theme playing. Like, they're not holding back. It's not like Palpatine. It's not Emperor-esque like it kind of was in Force Awakens. It's the theme. So, like we were saying at the beginning, though, like, Kylo probably didn't know about the Emperor. And when he does find out about the Emperor, he's going to be pissed. It's like, you told me I got a promotion. (laughs) Went through all this trouble to kill this guy, and now there's this other guy. Also, going back to the art of Force Awakens book, there was... 
everybody's talking about it nowadays, but the, there's there's the illustration of Ray, who at that time was known as Kira, swimming inside the Death Star. And according to the the quote in the book, she finds a map inside the Emperor's Tower in the second Death Star, and that's the map for where Luke is. Well, and we see in the Rise of Skywalker teaser that, okay, yeah, there's the Death Star, and it's half submerged underwater. Is Ray going to go scavenging inside the Death Star underwater? Is the Emperor's presence still in that Death Star? Is it is the Death Star like a haunted house or something? <laughs> like with one big bad ghost in there? Well, that's, yeah, that's kind of the interesting thing thinking about this is that potentially the ghost of Palpatine or the idea of Palpatine is almost as valid a use of the character than him actually being there in the flesh or something, right? Like, uh, cause kind of like you were saying with the comics and things, they've kind of treated the Sith stuff almost as like a ghost and haunting and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, in the end, Palpatine's manipulation kind of just brought out the evil that you have in yourself. Like he was ultimate evil, but then he was also able to get Anakin to act on his worst tendencies. And the same with Kylo, like Kylo is not, was not always an evil person and he's kind of been led astray. So is just, if the sequel saga is about legacies and how do you deal with the past? That is just the, the concept of Palpatine enough of just the, the ultimate corrupting power of, of greed and, and evil enough to just corrupt Kylo and Ray in a way and not even have to be there in the flesh. And if Luke sensed that darkness, even when Luke went, went into Kylo's mind in that flashback, if Luke sensed the darkness of Palpatine and that in a way made Luke retreat thinking I can never be Palpatine on my own, it gives Luke saying, like, what do you expect me to do? Face down the entire First Order with a laser sword? Even more, like, wait, because he knows he cannot take on Palpatine by himself. And it also makes Luke's force meditating on the side of the mountain in an ultimate move of defiance and Jedi outrageousness even more awesome, too. Because it's the beginning of... No, maybe we can take down this ultimate evil. We don't even know what we're capable of. And I always, in the end of the Rise of Skywalker thing, it's really been tripping me out lately. Luke saying, "We will always be with you." We, because is he when he's saying this to Ray? Who's with him? Are people with him? Is he talking? Because he's talking about thousands of generations laying you now, but this is your fight. And we'll always be with you. Well, and that's where it's, it's, is it the, the legacy and history of the good of the Jedi focused in Ray fighting the legacy and evil of the Sith and, and Palpatine either in Kylo or in himself? I don't know. Cause I think the thing that, that I get kind of stuck on with the Palpatine is because it can kind of go kind of more straightforward where, Hey, it's Palpatine. He's a clone. He's a ghost. He's never died. He's back. Or it can go more kind of metaphysical and psychological. Is it just the idea of Palpatine is enough? And kind of like I saying that, you know, is the, the evils in everybody, it's already there that you don't need Palpatine because everybody has that little bit of evil in them. And is it, is it, is it deeper than just a skeleton man showing up 
and shooting lightning bolts. I don't know. Either way, either way works. I would totally think the the weird, the metaphysical, the presence of Palpatine would be cool. But then at the panel, bringing out actual Ian McDermott in the flesh makes me think he's going to take some sort of physical form in the movie. But then we went to all those panels at Celebration. And I think back to the droids and animatronics panel we went to on, I think it was Saturday morning. And at the very end of that panel, some of the animatronic people were like, oh, and here's some of the stuff we're working on that we can't talk to you about, but we're going to hint. And they showed that real-time motion capture of like a face saying like, oh, yeah, we're doing real-time motion capture. And, you know, we, we were saying, well, that's probably what they're using on Mandalorian because they need to do that really quick. And it seems like there's a lot of really cool new tech being explored on Mandalorian. But also, what if they're doing real-time motion capture with Ian McDermott for whatever form Palpatine is? Because uh, Snoke wasn't big enough. Palpatine's going to be 12 feet tall. Riding a, riding a unicycle or something. <laughs> <laughs> Playing a banjo. What I, I think you said at Celebration 2, what if he comes out and he's prequel Ian McDermott? Like he like when he showed himself to Ezra. Like, hey, I'm not I'm not a scary old undead skeleton. I'm this kindly old man. Yeah, that's true. I forgot I forgot about that. Yeah, because that was one of the crazier things about with all the crazy stuff in that Rebels was just seeing him pretending to be good old Senator Palpatine again. If if Ben Solo doesn't know the story of Return of the Jedi, he probably knows the history of the Empire. He probably knows that the, the Emperor was a person, and maybe Senator Palpatine was a person, or Chancellor Palpatine. You know, and Rey knows who Luke Skywalker is. Rey can speak, she can speak Wookiee. She she probably knows the story of the Emperor and Chancellor Palpatine. <laughs> she she only knows the the Wookiee version, but it's, it's that's probably the best uh, best translation. <laughs> but when you know when Luke is telling the story, you know it was the Jedi that ruined everything, you know, and Ray says, and and a Jedi that saved him. She knows the they know the story of Star Wars of the prequels. In the original trilogy. She watched those DVDs. What context do they have with the Emperor? That's JJ, right? He's gives he gives us a hint that only gives us more questions than we already like we had enough questions before the trailer comes out, and now because of just an old, unused Ian McDermott take of Palpatine laughing, we now have ten times as many questions as we did going in. With no answers. And, and, you know, and it's, it's like we said, if someone would have told us this one month ago today, <laughs> just get out of town. It's baloney. <laughs> and I don't stand for baloney. But now, but now here we are. We're in the post-TROS world where up is down and down is up. Nothing makes sense. And we, we just asked 10,000 questions about Palpatine. <laughs> The Palpateaser. <laughs> yeah. Why can't we just uh, just think about Claude? I believe in miracles. Claude with a K, uh, K-L-A-D. Uh, right. Much, we're, you and I are in the elevator. We're going up to Padme's apartment. I can't sleep because I'm having dreams of my about my mom being captured, and I'd much rather dream of Claude. We also have 10,000 questions about Claude. 
but again, no answers, Claude. Only questions. Maybe Palpatine's hiding inside of him. Oh no! It's <laughs> Claude looks like a giant rubber alien costume because he really is a giant rubber alien costume, and Palpatine's been hiding inside him the whole time. It's it's Palpatine doing the silly voice. Hey everybody, I'm not really the evil Chancellor Palpatine. I'm just Claude. Whatever you do, don't go in the Death Star. It's If you go back and watch Return of the Jedi, you could see Claude in the back of the shuttle when Luke escapes. It's pretty much, he learned that move from uh, Cad Bane in that one episode where he dis- uh, he's disguised as a clone trooper. It's just kindly old Claude. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Jedi is here. From it, Kenner brings you 65 incredible Star Wars action figures, each sold separately. And now, Kenner reveals yet another. From the dark side of the Force, the Supreme Master, the Emperor, and he's yours free. Just by sending five proofs of purchase from any Star Wars action figures to Return of the Jedi, Box 596, Young America, Minnesota. But hurry, this offer will end. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. It's all right, iTunes reviews. We say it every week. When you're done listening to this episode, if you leave a little review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, we will read your review on an upcoming episode, which we love reading them, and it somehow helps the show in a way that no one understands in some Apple thing. Yeah, and check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and if you haven't yet, sign up for the Blast Point Super Chill Group because we say it every week because it's true. It's always a party. There's always the craziest stuff. It's a lot of fun. It's celebration every day, 24-7. It's the only reason I still like Facebook. (laughs) It's the only reason anyone is still on Facebook is the Blast Point Super Chill group. It's a good place if you have Palpatine theories, let us know over on the chill group. Share your Palpatine theory. And check out our website, blastpointspodcast.com. It is Darthfield Comics. There's like a new, I, th- I think there's like 40 new ones. It's crazy. Palpatine's a big star of the Darthfield comics, too. So we didn't even mention that. It's true. Somehow Darth, Darthfield knew it all because Darthfield has Palpatine and it also has lots of bounty hunters. So now, two years later, somehow Darthfield is like current with episode nine in The Mandalorian. So good job, Matt. You have all the scoops, I guess. And if you want to support the show in a different way, uh, head over to our Patreon, where there's lots of bonus episodes and cool stuff. And we've got a review episode for Avengers Endgame 
that I believe will be out on May 1st. So if you're listening to this on, what, Tuesday or something, it'll be out like tomorrow. So if you want to hear what we want to say about Avengers Endgame, go check it out over on the Patreon. And next week, it's the return of Phantom Menace year. Finally. It's been forever. It seems like forever, yeah. Phantom Menace year will be back next week, so you can look forward to that. But that about wraps up episode number 168, Crazy Palpatine Madness. Let us know what you think. What's going to be going on? What's up with Palpatine? Let us know. Talk to you later. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you. I'm just along for the ride tonight, so you got you got all the notes. <laughs> Go for Papa Palpatine. Break it down. Stop, Palpatine. <laughs> May the force be with all of you.